Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode... Yes, I can see it. That's it. Perfect. This is lovely that we're able to do this because it's, it's been a I while know. since we've actually seen each other in real life. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. And I, I was meant to do this with you, I feel like a month, couple months ago. And I was so busy that that's when um, all of the teaching online had just switched. And I was so busy and I couldn't find the time. So I'm so glad that this has worked out last minute like this and we've got the time to do it. I'm super appreciative that you've been able to find the time because I know how busy you are and work life and mum life and we'll get on to all of that but um, I will say that I am talking to the incredibly incredibly talented Pamela Destiff. Oh you was gonna get wrong! (laughs) (laughs) That's all right it's just Destefano one word that's it. Oh my goodness I don't know why I'm hung up on your surname it's such a beautiful surname. No, listen, it's it, so many people. I get called all, all different things, Stefano or Di Stefano or what. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay with it because my maiden name is Smith. It's so boring. So I've upgraded. <laughs> well, I'm just going to keep all this loveliness at, like, in. I'm not going to edit it out. I'm just going to keep it real because, yeah, sometimes <laughs> I do get something wrong, even though I've asked them in advance. Well, that's you that. <laughs> Absolutely, that's how you do it. I mean, I, I, I've no bother with it at all. Honestly, I mean, my, my maiden name was Smith. I've seriously upgraded to a more complex name. <laughs> well, this is a lovely, this is a lovely intro to. to <laughs> I knew you, so I knew the name Pamela Smith right. years ago. You know, you're saying you've got a far more interesting name now, but I knew about the legend that was Pamela Smith all those years ago. <laughs> Your name was definitely out there and um, I'm going to take you way way back so Pamela dance as a wee person were you into dance as a kid well um that's actually kind of a funny story I kind of blossomed really late with dance um growing up I, I, I remember I first took my very first dance class and it was a tap class And I remember just being at the back, super shy, hiding, didn't really know what I was doing. Just so, so, I was such a painfully shy child. So I I felt uncomfortable at first doing the class. And I was eight years old by this time. And I just never really actually enjoyed going to dance class, believe it or not. My mum, it's something my mum always had to force me to do. Until I actually went into Latin, from there, I went into Latin and ballroom school. And I really found my feet there. I absolutely loved it. And it was a form of dance that I really connected with. And I did that for a couple of years. And then I left again. And I kind of was, was discovering, you know, what I wanted to do with dance. And, you know, this took me all the way till I was like 14. And then it was something I actually just did on my own. Like I used to dance in my room all the time after school. I remember getting like NSYNC's album, Backstreet Boys. I used to put, I don't know if you remember this, but I used to put the box on and watch all the music channels. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, these dancers dancing for artists. I used to learn all the routines. And it more so was at home passion and teaching myself. And then 
I kind of did like the little amateur dance school thing, came away from the Latin ballroom and I still was going back and forth about it. And then it wasn't until I became like a, a teenager when I was 17 and I fully knew that's what I wanted to do. And then I, I started to take it seriously and I went to Edinburgh's Telford College. It was it's, it's called Pass now, but it's called Telford at the time. And I went there and I, I, I'd got proper training and I got my degree. But it was kind of a uncertain journey from being small it wasn't something I always wanted to do but it was always a passion that I felt more comfortable doing at home it was really weird I love that and and what was the reaction of like people at home when you said that you know yeah this is definitely the path I'm going to go and study dance because I think a lot of people who haven't Mm -hmm. been exposed to that that world there can be that you know that's quite an uncertain like how what are you going to do with that yeah well, when I'd done it, the rule was my mum and dad said, right, well, obviously you need to finish high school, you need to get your hires. And then from there, they were okay with it because I was doing a degree in the subject and they knew I would be getting a, a degree of some sort that I could use maybe in another field at another time. And the only reason I was really allowed to go full blown at that point with my training is because I was getting a degree at the end of it now. I mean, we all know now in the industry, having a degree isn't necessary to be a successful dancer. It's absolutely not necessary. But it it was the training that came along with it that really solidified me as a dancer and and something I really needed. And the degree was just, was great just to have, you know, the qualification along with it um, that I've got now. So that's how they were supportive. My parents were like, well, you're getting a degree, like that can go on to something else. So they were happy with that fact of me going away to Edinburgh to train. So they've always been really supportive. They were really supportive then as well. Yeah, and I guess like being, you know, you're immersed in your degree and you're doing the job and you're just getting, you know, you're getting towards the finish line. Was it then always the goal that you were thinking, I'm going to go out and I'm going to work as a dancer, I'm going to try and end up, you know, doing music videos or being in theatre? Did you have like these specific goals for yourself or were you just kind of eyeing the prize of just getting a degree first? Yeah, I think um, the training back then when I when I was at Telford, it was really intense. It was intense technical training. So, and that's something I'd never had before. I remember doing my first ballet class when I got there, and I was like, "Whoa, this is so hard!" I get put in the bottom class, the foundation class for ballet, because um, I'd never done it before. I had zero technique. I was this like raw shell. From being put in the foundation class, I was like so determined. I, I was at, I look back now, and I'm like, "Wow, I was a determined person. I was so determined to get better at it, uh, even at the age of 17, which is really late." I was literally always first in the studio, last out, and I worked my way up within the first year, and then I get put in all the advanced classes um, from that point. After the first year, I was in all the advanced classes until I graduated, but that was just through sheer determination to get better, and I fell in love with technique, something that I'd never done before. I was actually more into the contemporary side of things, and then we actually had a workshop with two London choreographers that came up and I fell in love with commercial dance and hip hop. And with my course, we went to New York for for about a week in the summer and I did uh, loads of hip hop classes at uh, Broadway Dance Centre. And I was like, boom, that's what I want to do. I found my calling. I'd always loved watching artists on the TV, learning all the routines. And I just knew from then on out, 
I was certain as soon as I get my degree, I'm going to move to London and I'm going to go for it. I want to dance for artists. That's exactly what I want to do. So I kind of made my mind up about that pretty quick into my degree and my training. And so the goal was just to get the degree and then get down to London as soon as I could, really. Just love how dedicated you were at such a young person. Like, yo, this is definitely the right pathway for me. You know, moving away home and moving to London, it's massive at any age. But like, when you got to London, was was it plain sailing or was it just addition after addition, just trying to get that opportunity oh it was a graft I, I feel like uh, you know that, that as you're saying like that that um model of hard work I feel like maybe my generation might be the last generation of that because like times are so different now to, to be the best and to survive and to get where you wanted to go you really had to work hard and if you didn't work hard you weren't going to do it so there was no option, you know, when I was training like that. And, and when I went to London, it was a big move, but I was so ready for it. I think I moved to London when I was 19, something like that. I just graduated, but I was getting used to the city. I literally knew one person when I moved there. And from there, I just literally had to navigate myself. I was like, right, okay, how do I um, get an agency? And back then, to get on an agency, you only, basically, they would do like a big, um, cattle, we called them cat call auditions, right? So we'd go to the cattle call audition. There'd be hundreds of people there, and you would just be auditioning just to get on their books. And I just did that for about a year. Wow. Honestly, I would just show up to an audition, try and go on an agency's book. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. Most of the time, I never. And I always felt it was because I wasn't really seen. Even if I went in a group, like no one would really watch me dance because I felt like I was coming into quite a tight knit circle um, where people just like to watch people they've seen before. If you're new, it's very hard to get your foot in. And I struggled with that for a year. And I remember always being one of the dancers that I would always audition. I'd always get down to the very end, but I wouldn't get the job. And that happened for like a year straight for me. And I used to always get people come up to me at the end and be like, I can't believe you never got that. Like, I can't, you know, it was a call. It just always happened. And I just think it was because... You know, I had the talent, but the opportunity wasn't quite presenting itself. And, you know, you're a new person in a big city. Um, you're different. You're trying to get your foot in the door, but as you're coming into quite a tight-knit industry that's set already. So you're kind of going against the grain a bit, and it's just your luck. It really is luck as well. So I battled with that for about a year, just getting constantly told no, getting down to additions at the very end, not getting the job. And I think after, I think probably for my year anniversary of being in London, I literally was ready to call it quits. It's like, how long can I do this for? Like, you know, as yeah. much as you've got total self-belief, you know, in yourself and your ability and your training behind yeah. you. And you're like, well, I'm getting, in, I'm getting in the room and yeah. I'm getting down to the last X amount of people. So, you know, I must have something. But then, like you say, that rejection is tough. Was it like a turning point? Yeah, this is like something at movie. I'd literally, it was literally a massive turning point for me. I had auditioned the previous week um, for a show called Dirty Dancing. Now, this was a reality show I 
I auditioned for it the year before and I never got. I actually auditioned for it right before when I moved to London, never got it, got cut. Same, same deal. I did it again towards my year being in London, towards the end. I auditioned again, hadn't heard anything. I thought, must have not got it again. And then I went to this other audition that day for like a, a corporate gig. And again, same thing happened, got all the way to the end, never got the job. And it was just one thing after another, no, 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 all the time. That this way, I'm, I'm still auditioning, I'm still getting to all the classes I can to train. I'm like, right, something's got to give here because it's just getting too hard. I'd literally, it started raining. I was walking back Leicester Square, headshot in hand, all my bags. I was phoning my mum. I was in tears. I was like, mum, I'm coming home. This is a nightmare. I was like, I'm not getting anything. That's the last edition. I'm going to get told no. Literally had plans to come home that weekend. I think this was a Friday. Um, and I came home to my flat in London and literally walked in the door. Literally five minutes after walking in the door, I get a phone call. My phone rings. It's the producer from Living TV. She calls me. She says, Pamela, um, we're calling you with some news and we would love to offer you a spot on the show. You made it. You've, you've got on the show. And I was like, wait, who, me? What? You know, I literally started crying. I was sobbing my heart out to this producer on the phone. I was like, I was literally about to move home. I was like, I was literally about to give up and you've literally changed the course of things for me. Thanks so much. Yeah, she's like, no, we loved you. She's like, sorry, we couldn't get you on the show the first time round. We want to get you on this time and we'll be in touch with all the details. And then the following week, I ended up at the ITV studios for uh, the introduction with all the other contestants. And from there, I went on this journey for, for, from this dance reality show. And it, it literally was a massive turning point for me. It changed my life. And that's just a classic example of, you know, working hard. You've got the talent. You're a bit rough around the edges. You're still not booking um, you're maybe on a couple of agencies, but not anything that's helping you really. And then you just have one wee bit of luck and then it kind of opportunity meets talent and it all kind of works out, you know? Well, that's such a lesson for anybody listening. Yeah. In, in any capacity, you know, not just in the dance world, but just that, you know, if you have that belief in yourself and you're just chipping away and chipping away and, you know, it doesn't seem to be getting yeah. anywhere, like, you are there there's something's happening it's just brewing and you you can't possibly know in advance how something can just change the course of your life like that yeah i know it's it, it was crazy because uh, you know I, i'd went for a full solid year like that and i really was going to come home and then just that one phone call flipped everything all on the other side and it just changed everything it changed Oh, and one of my disaster. Oh, I, I've got another disaster story for you. I think I've got a lot of disaster stories in my, in my you know, there definitely was many downs. Uh, even though I've done a lot of great things, there was it was a hard ride to get there. And that's why I say to students I teach now, I'm like, guys, listen, it's hard, man. It's not easy. Like, you you've got to love this. Um, you've really got to love it, and you've really got to have that hard determination in you, or it, it's going to be very difficult. And you always have to like create this kind of thick skin in terms of the rejection and things not going your way and just the timeline of things and things matching up yeah. and all of that and just living in London I guess like so expensive like you know yes. if you're not getting the jobs you know survival type stuff you know so you need to want to do it you need to absolutely love it because there'll be lots of 
hurdles as well as the highlights and you I mean the highlights reel for you is just insane like I've written stuff down I'm like I've not got enough paper to write <laughs> down there but I'm okay yeah. but give, give us another disaster story Pamela. oh a disaster it. story oh I've got a couple so basically so this is when I thought I had broken through and I had um I thought I really had cracked London. I thought, right, I've cracked it now. Um, I think I'm in there, but then it just was an epic fail and never happened. So this was before, this is amongst many rejections. This is before I got my call for Dirty Dancing. And I'd actually, there was a massive casting call. I just went as an open call for um, a show called X Factor. And I auditioned for that show. And this is probably a, a dancer's nightmare. And I remember doing the audition I did really well, and I think I did well because it was an American choreographer. It was Brian Friedman, the legend, the king, Brian Friedman of dance. He's so amazing. I was so, like, almost starstruck to even be in the room with him because I'd, I'd researched all his stuff. I knew all about him before even getting in the room. Um, I loved his work. And in that audition, he, he, he was open to new talent and things like that. So that really worked for me. Um, and I actually booked that job. I, I booked the first week on X Factor. And I was one of the top four girls of the casting call to be put on week one. Now, that was a massive breakthrough for me. And I thought at that point, right, I'm in. I remember the week I was on, I was working with some amazing dancers, big high profile dancers that I knew. I was like, oh, my goodness, pinch myself moment. The, the week just kind of went from bad to worse. We were in rehearsals. I kept, I was so nervous that now, this is a girl from Scotland coming out of college who's done nothing on a massive job with Brian Friedman. I felt like my full life and career depended on it. I'd put so much pressure on myself that I was so nervous. Everything he taught, I just kept messing up. Like, I literally kept messing it up. Honestly, it's a horror story. I kept messing it up, getting everything wrong. We were coming into rehearsals for the live show before it started. Brian was like, Pam, get it together. Like, this is a mess. I was like, oh, my goodness, he thinks I'm rubbish. Anyway, by the skin of my teeth, I managed to get through the, the live performances and do it. But I'd made such a bad impression. And I looked so unreliable that I thought, well, that's it. I'm, I'm blacklisted. I'm tarnished. He thought I was rubbish. He's never going to hire me again. And I, he'd made that vocal many times, right? So I was like, I'm never going to work again. This is it. It's a disaster. And um, that shot my confidence. And then obviously auditioning and get told no anyway. This is all before the Dirty Dancing call. And so I felt like I had a reprieve with Dirty Dancing. I had a second chance to redeem myself almost and I'd done the show, um, and once it had aired, I actually bumped into Brian at a premiere. It was one of Kelly Brooks' new plays, because she was a host on the show. And I was there at the premiere, and I bumped into Brian, and just my luck, he'd been watching Dirty Dancing. Yes! Yes, it was like, damn, work. He's like, you're sassy and all that. And we, we reconnected. And then the following week, X, he was in town for X Factor. The following week, the fabulous agent that is Jerry Reeve, the fabulous agent, he's an absolute legend as well, emailed me and asked me to do X Factor again with Brian. I thought, right, here we go. You know, I was so much more refined and mature and experienced that it went great. And then I went on to work for Brian for about five years, six years after that, threw into LA and everything. And we, we actually laugh about this story. Um, every time every time we're out, he's like, Pam, tell everyone how I met you. And then we always tell this disaster story of how we met and he hated me. <laughs> but then I reprised myself and we laugh about it now. But 
but oh my goodness, what a story! Like, oh, but all those hurdles that could have been the very point where you're just like, no, I, yeah. I can't do this. I just love yeah. how you just kept going because you, you know, you, you did have the talent. It's one thing being talented, you know, but like you say, it's just experience, it's just getting the opportunity to fall flat in your face that's what it was i just felt so nervous and i always said to myself on a job i'll never let my nerves get the benefit of me like that again and after dirty dancing i'd i'd get i'd get rid of all of that um, and i became more confident and i always i always blindly believed in my talent but I got the confidence to back it up and then just that story with Brian working with him all over the years on X Factor and how that worked out amazing. Um, it's just such a funny story how it can literally go from the worst to the best situation. But, you know, again, I was lucky because a lot of people don't get a second chance like that and I did. And I was very lucky to, to work for Brian for a lot of years on X Factor after that. He's so renowned and he's so incredible that I felt very blessed and lucky for, for that all to turn around like that. I was really, really lucky as well. That's such a cool story though. Like that is just, I mean, it's podcast gold. I'm loving this. I'm loving this story for sure. You know, from an outsider looking at your career, that's something that I wasn't aware yeah. of. These are the, the stories that are important for people to hear that, you know, it isn't always plain sailing and you then you just hops getting jumped your way through yeah. your career. It's obviously just um, that sheer determination, like we say. And, you know, I'm looking at the list of things that, you know, I've written down. You know, you have danced with some huge names, like, in, in some of the most iconic music videos. I mean, we're talking like Lady Gaga, we're talking like Katy Perry. How can you start to compute when you get into that audition and you nail the job and then you get on the set of a music video or you're going on tour with this artist, like, what is it really like? Yeah, I think, well, I think for, for me, um, I began to feel really confident auditioning um, in LA when I moved over there from when I won Dirty Dancing. Obviously, I transitioned over there quite quickly within a year from London. Did that just seem like the next step for you? Like, you were like, I need to be an American actor. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I was actually, I was so lucky because, that well, one of the prizes was on the show is that you win your three-year working visa in LA and you win your, your contract with Block, which is one of the biggest agencies there. And at the time when I got signed to Block, me and my partner, James Collins, who won the show together, we were the first international clients on the book. There was no other dancers that were from anywhere else in america it was just we were the first international clients which is so funny i laugh at that now because block has a whole roster of, of visa um, dancers which is amazing it's amazing but that just shows you how, how fresh it was when we moved over there yeah, it yeah it was very fresh we were the first ones and them as an agency block gave me a lot of um and james a lot of support they were very supportive in us and, and getting us into the industry and I remember when we first arrived in LA, thank goodness for Brian Friedman, he'd put me and James on a music video that he was shooting that day, not as one of the main dancers, as one of the ensemble, but I got to see how everything worked. So we were there with for, for Brian on his music video and I got to see all the dancers, I got to see the set, how they shoot things, what's required, and that opened my eyes. So I felt when I did book my first job, I felt like I had a bit of knowledge about how, how it's all ran and I felt I don't know what it was I mean I love performing live I absolutely love it but as as a working dancer at that time my favorite thing was to do was the music videos I love doing a music video shoot 
I just felt like I understood the camera work. I un I, it just became second nature to me doing videos. I felt at my most comfortable. Obviously, there's no buzz and high like doing a live show, but I just felt in my element shooting videos. I just loved it. And, and I felt it was just the, be the best way to work with artists as well. So I ended up doing a lot of music videos, but it just became second nature and um, getting into these auditions. And what happened was, is I would have a mixture of auditions. Like sometimes I would have ones where there's like 400 people there, or I would get private auditions where they select back in the day, they would select you off your headshot. So if they liked your look, they would bring you in because obviously they're after a certain look. So they bring certain people in and it's a smaller edition, maybe like 15 or 20 of you in the room, which is good apart, you know, as comparison to like competing against 400 people. But I've done both. And did you at that point feel like a pressure to have like something unique about you? I guess like, yeah. you know, you're going into an edition, there's like a freestyle section, you're like, you know, like folk that can tumble or do like, you know, yeah. tricks or whatever, or like about your look, like you're saying, you know, if you know some certain things are going to go off just in your headshot, it's like, well, yeah. you know, what can I do? Did you have to consider like what, you know, how am I going to stand out? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, with my look, I've got Miranda Garrison to thank for that. She is a iconic person. She um, is a massive choreographer. She was one of the judges on Dirty Dancing. She played Vivian in the movie Dirty Dancing. And Miranda took me aside on that show and she was like, Pam, if you're going to go to LA, you would really need to refine your look. She's like, I think you would look great with a little crop. And we went through the pages of Vogue and she's like, that look, that look, that look. And we picked a look and I actually went with the costume ladies on the show and they like cut my hair, like in the actual, yeah, they were like, Pam, let's just crop it. You're getting a crop yes. They're like cutting it all, chop, chop. So I got the chop on the show. Jesus. Yeah, so I was like, I went to LA with her look and I kind of stuck to that. I really went all the way with it. And I felt really comfortable and authentic in myself that way. And this was before you seen all the short blonde pixie cuts. Like there was, it literally wasn't around when I had it. So that really did work well for me. I had a strong look. Um, obviously, having a strong look, it doesn't fit everything across the board. And I would actually advise dancers now to be a bit more mainstream, like, uh, for, you know, so you're available for more jobs. But it, yeah, yeah exactly. But it worked for me and um, it did set me apart. And I felt really authentic in myself in that look. And... I've always been a lover of fashion anyway. It just it inspired me and I had my own thing going on with it. And it just worked. It just clicked. It just, I, I was at the point where I was really ready to work uh, within my look, within my experience, everything I'd done. So when I moved to LA, I was, I was literally ready to go. It was a really good time, timing-wise for me to be there. You know, when I started auditioning in London, I kept getting down but not getting a job. That happened in LA, but I would book the job. So there was a massive difference for me. Um, not that I didn't get no's, I did. I got a lot of no's, but I got a lot of yeses as well, which was good. And I started to know what I would be good for. I knew myself well as a dancer. I knew what jobs I had, a high probability of booking. Um, and I just knew myself really well. And I think people believe that when you watch it, if you know yourself really well. And that kind of worked for artists. So I, I kind of filled a product that suited whatever artist I was dancing for at that time with my look. So that really did help me. But 
auditioning just became a second nature. I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the moments where you had to freestyle, you had time to come out in a select group. That I just felt like I was really coming into my own in LA and auditioning just almost became a, a second nature to me there. I would just have my, my audition bag and my headshots in my car ready to go and it was like whenever they give me a call, I'm ready. I totally love it. You know, like I think anybody who's been involved in dance, you know, and thinking back to, you know, like you were saying, like music videos were such a big thing back then, you know, like we're similar ages and that is just the dream, isn't it? You're watching these videos thinking how amazing it would be yeah. to, to meet these artists and, and, and you were actually, you know, you were doing it. You were there. I guess there's been a million pinch me moments, but can you highlight any specific uh, jobs that you booked, you know, and you were in the middle of it just thinking, you know, I'm, I'm here, yeah. I'm doing this, this is like... To, to be honest... I think it was when I did Lady Gaga Bad Romance. That for me was, right, I'm here. Because, you know, you always think, and you know, it's, it's we're so terrible as dancers. We're like, we set ourselves goals all the time and we want to do bigger and better. It's like, see, sometimes you've got to just be in the moment because, you know, what, what you don't realise is, is, is at the time is that, do you know what, you're doing your biggest job, like you're living it right now, enjoy it. <laughs> don't always be striving for the next best thing because this is it. And I look back then and I'm like, that was it for me. That was me at my peak. That's at that's a time I was working a hell of a lot at that time. And I had landed that job, but I was also working for Lorianne Gibson and Richard Jackson at the time. And I was actually dancing for another artist that they were doing, Cassie. So between that time, I remember doing a full week on Lady Gaga Bad Romance. We shot it. And then the very next day at like four in the morning, I had a car pick up. We were at, back at the airport. I was back on a small flight to Texas of doing a southern tour with Cassie. So I was literally just going from one job to the other. And I look back now and I'm like, that was when, that was it for me. That was the defining moment of, right, I'm here, I'm doing it. Don't mess it up. <laughs> Don't mess up. Because this is it. This is it right here. You know, and it's, and I wish I, I actually wish I took a step back to enjoy it more at the time because everything was just so chaotic. Like, it was crazy. We weren't auditioning. Like, I wish I'd stood, I, I stood back and I appreciated it for what it was at the time. Um, but you're just on go, go, go mode that you don't actually take a step back and, and actually enjoy the present time of what you're doing and be really, truly grateful for that. So I think back to that now, but looking at that time, that that was definitely up there in, in my peaks of my career and, and the highs, absolutely. It's incredible. And, you know, there's so many things that I've seen of your work just online alone, and I'm just like, you're an insane dancer. Like, you're just, you're just awesome. Oh, like, thank you. Thank you. Really you. Like, I think you're just such a powerhouse. Even, like, the stuff you've been doing recently online, I'm, like, just watching it all. Like, oh. I look back at me dancing, you know, previously, and I'm like, okay, Right, I get it. But then see, even now, I look at myself and I, I've got so many flaws when I'm dancing. I just think as you get older, having babies and stuff, your body changes. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I feel like I'm not as sharp anymore. I'm forever critiquing myself anyway. You know, that's something we should maybe touch on. Like, so obviously you're blocking your career and, you know, you're flying all over the world and you're doing live performances, like I say, with the likes of Katy Perry and all these artists that people, you know, these idols of the music industry, but also where you're finding time to have a life and yeah. other things like relationships and that must be really difficult because the industry is just so unpredictable and yeah. you're there and everywhere what was life like 
as a dancer when you're in the throes of just this insane career where you're able to find time to keep friendships and keep up with family and then Mm -hmm. obviously build relationship yeah yeah that that's hard um i feel like uh, our industry and dance it definitely is a sacrifice for other things in your life and i feel a lot i I know a lot of my friends feel like that as well who are dancers it's such a a full-time passionate thing it's not a job it's your life it's your your full entire lifestyle being a dancer it takes everything you travel it takes all of you and it is hard to find that balance. I know I struggled with that and I'm I'm very much a homebody, which people would probably be like, what? But I am, I love being at home. So any chance I could get to go back to Scotland, I would, um, if I went back to London to work or whatever, I would always come up on weekends that I could. I always missed home, but I always battled with that. Okay, I'm in LA. What do I do? My family isn't here. Do I stay here indefinitely or do I make a move back to London at some point? And I always knew that LA was now, it's not forever. For me, that might have been different if if I could pull my full family and put them in LA. Sure, I think I would have maybe continued living there longer. But it's the pull to go back to my family that, that brought me back to London and then eventually Scotland. Because I just, I knew that as much as I love my career, you know, your dreams and ambitions change all the time. It's not like you have, you know, one set thing and that's it for your life. They they change constantly. And I had been um, 10 years in the game and I'd hit my 30s and then I'd, I'd met my husband. We got married and he, my husband's American. He's from Colorado, but he was in agreement that, you know, if we started a family, I would want to raise them near my mum, my dad, my sister. I would want to have them in my child's life. So I knew that I couldn't be in LA forever because that was the ultimate case. So um, I just kind of kept working and I actually fell pregnant. I didn't know I was actually working doing the Latin the Latin Grammys at the time. Uh, I think that was the last job I had. I was dancing for Daddy Yankee in a two-piece and I was pregnant at the time, had no idea. <laughs> I was like, I told my daughter now, I was like, you're, I was pregnant with you and we were just dancing for Daddy Yankee up in the Latin Grammys, giving it life. But I did that and at the time, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, I was like, right, it's time to start making the exit plan. Now, with that comes a lot of complications because, you know, your passion for dancing, it doesn't die, it doesn't go away. It's just... I had a new passion and drive to become a mother. That was my next thing. That's what I wanted to do. I did all these things and that honestly was a passion I'd wanted and a a dream of mine for a long time. And everything just kind of happened quite fast. Um, And then I fell pregnant and that was it for me. I was like, right, I'm moving home. But I had to navigate myself and you know, there is some dancers that have babies and they go on and they continue to dance and be in the industry. But I feel like, I mean, from what I've seen, this isn't the case for everyone. Everyone's got their own individual, unique situation. But for other people, they've got family in LA, so they can still work. It's hard for female dancers as well, because I feel if, you know, if you're a male dancer, obviously, if you fall pregnant, you know, your wife or your spouse or whoever's carrying the baby does all the, the, the body changing and work. You can still go off and work and your career won't change too much. However, 
obviously being a female dancer it's hard your body's changing you're growing a child i mean you can dance i mean i've seen people teach and dance all the way up till they're you know near near term time basically and i think that's absolutely fantastic but for me performing wise I didn't want to perform or, or do any of that when I was pregnant. I, I just had an instinct to get home with my baby. And, you know, I did all the LA stuff and it was great. And I'd made such amazing friends along the, t along the line. But at that point, I didn't know what was next. I didn't have a plan. I just knew that I wanted to be either in London or Scotland and, and, and move from that base onwards um, and still keep my roots in LA where... My kids are old enough now, we can travel back and forth, not a problem, and we can go there for summers, and it's great. But in regards to bringing them up, I, I, I wanted to get home for sure. Yeah, and again, it's like you say, it's just like following your gut, like you did with yeah. the career itself. Do you know what I mean? Like you obviously just stuck in because you knew, you must have known instinctively, unconsciously, that you know something was going to come eventually, yeah. like that with your pregnancy and what you want the next chapter of yeah. your life to look like. I'm sure it was still hard to grapple with the prospect of, you know, not being in the mix and maybe not booking all of those jobs for X amount of time, but it's like, well, no, this just feels like a new chapter is beginning. Not giving up on a life, but just yeah. that your life, yeah, very much taking a different course for a while. Yeah, well, well, that's it. And at that point, I had a new dream and it was to start a family and your dreams change as life goes goes on they change and they evolve and they grow you're constantly growing and i just wanted to grow into being a mother and focus on that which does come in the industry it's probably an unspoken thing but sometimes it comes with a lot of shame i don't know why i i, I felt that but it's kind of like actually when i was actually pregnant at the time i was on a job and one, one of the girls were talking about having babies and things and I remember a dancer was saying she's like yeah she's like um when female dancers fall pregnant they just go ghost and then boof you never hear of them again and I, I, I knew I was pregnant at this point and I, I don't know that that comment kind of struck me because I felt like well what what else do you kind of expect i mean you can stay in the industry and go different routes but if if someone wants to grow into being a mother they, they can't really be shamed for that or saying oh they're just a mum now or they left the industry or they, they did it but they don't do it now i think props need to be given to dancers who become mothers and go on to do other things it, it can't be looked upon as a a failure it needs to be a success they're transforming into something new and and there's so many other fields that rather than doing the addition life and working as a working dancer there's loads of people that go into production directing assistant choreographer and people are successful in different ways or some people do still work as a dancer it's just for me i didn't want to do that yeah, yeah. it's a choice that you had and you, you know yeah. you're able to make and you obviously had other objectives and other goals and um, not necessarily having a plan, but you just know that you're capable of. Absolutely. You know, and then obviously you have gone into teaching and doing choreography and that is just as worthwhile. Passing on your knowledge and your expertise, you've been in the industry, you've done it. That is invaluable to, you know, the next generation of dancers that are going to go out into that world and passing that on. It must be a 
rewarding as well. Yeah, and I think that kind of, I, I knew it would figure itself out, and that's kind of what's happened naturally um, coming back to Scotland. Stepping away from that and, and not, not listening to the, oh, well, she did this, she did that, but she's a mum now. You know that that phrase, she's a mum now? Like, as if that's like a bad thing. Yes, it's one of the hard, trust me, it's harder than being a working dancer, I know that. <laughs> trust me. But I think that, that kind of happened naturally. When I came back, I started teaching periodically as Frankie was growing up and I and especially just based in Scotland um, I would you know this is where I came from and this is where I had to work from and grow it naturally happened where people would come to me and be like Pam how do you do this like how, how would how would you go about putting your showreel and like giving it to this agent or people would just be coming to me with advice and I always felt when I taught workshops and things, it's more about, for me, not so much the choreography, but just inspiring people how to do it from the ground up and take yourself mm. from Scotland and get to London, get to LA and do it on a massive level. Like, it's if I did it, you can do it, trust me. If I do it, if I did it, you can do it. So it's, it's just about passing on that work ethic, working hard along the way and, and making sure it happens. I mean, and... and and saying that, I made many mistakes along the way as well, many mistakes. And I'm quite vocal about that. And I tell people because their mistakes made me, you know, that I've, ma I've messed up so many times, trust me. And it's good for me to pass on my mistakes so people can hear it and decide and recognize where if, if they're in that situation, and okay, am I going to make the same mistake Pam did? Or should I change it and do this? And I think it's good to pass on that knowledge and just support people in going into their careers. And there's nothing I support more than, than getting dancers, you know, from a small place like Glasgow that I came from and, and helping them get on their way to London or LA. I'm, I'm so in support of that and seeing them doing well. It's, it is massively inspiring. Like that's why I asked you to do this podcast because it has been hard work and graft and sheer talent. Yeah. Like you say, there has been all these times where there have been hurdles and uh, problematic moments and moments of doubt and you know self doubt and whatever. But you have overcame them to have this amazing career, which is you know your career is still ongoing. It's not like it's not like one career ended and another one started. Like. This is the course of your life and because dance is not something that you do separate from your life, it almost kind of encapsulates your life and you've just been able to navigate that around yeah. being able to become a mum and a partner and, yeah. and be in different places in the world. And um, I think that's massively inspiring for, you know, like you say, anyone who wants to go into the industry that, you know, you can do it. Yeah. You put the work in, you're willing to take Absolutely. The Absolutely. It's not a straight line, it's all over the place. It's up, it's down, and it's everything in between. I think um everything's so different now because obviously when I started we had social media but it wasn't on a, on a massive scale like it is now um, so Instagram itself provides a massive platform for dancers but there's still there's a right and wrong way to do Instagram I mean I, I don't I think at my peak if Instagram was around I would be sitting here with like 40,000 followers or something like that I've got like what over 2,000 not a lot of followers but it's because it all came after the fact in my career and, and I think now dancers have that platform to bounce off of and work on and get themselves seen to choreographers, people book dancers just via going on Instagram. Even like the, the kind of reality shows, like, you know, you're saying about the Dirty Dancing show, that was quite unique at the time. It was, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, geez, if Instagram was as big as it was when I did Dirty Dancing, oh, my good, my, my account probably verified by now. <laughs> 
But I mean, again, what, and, and what I always preach to, to dancers as well now doing it, and they're, they're so focused on their Instagram, like, guys, just remember, I mean, okay, it's great to play the game because that's what Instagram is. It's a game. It's good to play it correctly. However, don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up on how many likes you get, followers. Just remember, it's fictional. It's a phone app. It's not real life. What is real life is your relationships and your talent, your relationship with your agent, your relationship with choreographers who like to rebook you time and time again, your talent. When you're on the job, you do the job good. You're, you're not messing up. Like You're one of the most talented. The work, Most of all, rather than being one of the most talented in the room, be the hardest working because that is what's going to give you a longevity career. So never mind the Instagram videos or whatever. That's great, but it's not going to feed you it doesn't define you it isn't what you are your actions are, are what makes you as a dancer so i tell people i teach don't get too caught up in that play the game because that's what it is present yourself so that you're bookable but don't get caught up in these numbers because it's it's so much it's so much more than that it's so much more i think that's valuable for young people in general like we are living in the, the age of social media and it's awesome and we've all benefited from it in one way, shape, or form. For a you know, great way to to get work and connect Absolutely. people, and you know, I very much feel that this podcast is possible without social media. But on the flip side of that, working with young people and hearing and seeing how much the the virtual world is important to them and how much weight they place on it, you know, it's like, oh, I want to be famous when I grow up, and you're like, cool, I'm yeah, doing what? I know. And you have to have dreams and aspirations over just those numbers of followers. What do you actually want to create for your life? And what do you, you want to work hard because you're passionate about it? And that's obviously what you've done thus far. Moving forward in your career, obviously your kids are really young still and you're back home and we're speaking in really, you know, difficult, unusual times of COVID. And before we started recording, you know, we were talking about that, you know, do you jump on the bandwagon of going online? And you've, again, you've followed your gut and just done what's right for you. But moving forward, Career-wise, is, is there a list of things that you would like to do, whether it be dance-related or otherwise? You know, I, t- I teach dance now, and it's not because I teach dance because I think I'm the best choreographer in the world, and that's something that has came naturally to me because it's not. But what I, something that has always came natural to me is being real and inspiring people just from my literal life story and, and what I've done. And... I feel like that can be beneficial to students and what really worked for me in my career was I always had a a good sense of myself and and being a performer and that worked for me more than me being the most technical amazing dancer in the world so I feel using that I, I really my goal when I teach now is to purposely help people find themselves as a performer and bring that out and bring their uniqueness and be as authentic as they can to carry themselves through a very hard industry. That is more so why I teach and that's the aim and goal when I teach. And and it's funny in these times of COVID-19 because I've actually realised that during these times that, because I would always teach and be, oh, well, I don't see myself as this choreographer, but I've got a good vision. And, you know, what am I? Like, where do I fit in with teaching? That's mm-hmm. been a whole new thing for me as well, finding myself in that way and leading forwards into my plans in the future. So being forced to do everything online and really forcing myself to choreograph more and with purpose, I've found 
that that is the niche that I teach for. It's not the five, six, seven, eight. It's the how can you do the five, six, seven, eight and be authentically you perform and be an all round amazing dancer. That's my goal when I teach. And I feel moving forward into the future, I'm going to continue with the teaching. But I feel not so much choreography. I feel, I've been discussing this with my husband a lot. He's really artistic. Um, he does. He's one of these guys where he's like, he does a lot of artistic fields. He does magic. He does art. He does dance. He does all these different things. And I said to him the other day, it's funny you're asking me this question because COVID has really forced me to look at why am I teaching? What am I doing? What's the next step forward? And ask myself very honest questions. The honest answers are, okay, it's not about choreography. I don't have the compulsion to go choreograph the next big stage show or for artists. I, I don't, that's not me. I teach to inspire and to help people bring out performance. But what I, what I am is, is I'm more of a visionary. And I said to Polly, I said, I keep seeing, even when I teach, when I do a combo, it's not, I wouldn't give myself awards for the five, six, seven, eight. I said, but I see a vision on top of it. I always see a set. I always see the way I would like things shot. And he goes, well, do you, do you know what that is? And I said, I don't know what that is, but it really annoys me because I can't put a word on it. And he goes, that's been a director. That's been a director and a creative director. I think more than anything, I'd like to discover that side of things in the industry, directing and being a, that's a whole other niche and a whole other conversation, I think. But I think teaching's brought me into that and to realise that I really like directing and I really like camera work. Maybe that's why I always love doing music videos because I, I always got it. You know what I'm saying? Any, any direction from the director I used to get, I just really understood it. Well, that's really exciting to think that there's this whole other realm that you could explore and it isn't totally alien to you. You have been on the yes. other side of the camera. So, yeah, perfect person to then get behind the camera and bring these things to life that's exactly what it is and and it's only recently i've actually discovered that i i couldn't put my finger on it and i shot a video um for mga last year and i just worked so well with the camera I, I just think being a director is my next passion in life i don't know if that's where i'm going to go but um i love and i love teaching as well so maybe it's teaching but in a different form i don't know between teaching and, and directing it's, it's a whole new field for me and we'll see where it goes i think it's very exciting to hear somebody on the kind of the brink of the next chapter in the book yeah absolutely i think that's it you know you have these ideas that you'd maybe like to explore but there's not a dead set plan because I think yeah. for a lot of people there isn't a dead set plan and when you know it's amazing if people do have a plan and they know exactly they've got their eye on the prize but it be, can be quite disconcerting for people um, of a certain age you know they've done yeah. something and now they're at a point in their career where they want to branch out but they don't know what that looks like and it seems like everybody else is set like they're on this you know five-year ten-year plan and you're like well no I've I, I just like to explore other avenues. It's definitely a new venture for me. It's something I'm looking into and I'm, I'm looking forward to exploring it and seeing where it takes me. I also think that you would just be excellent in terms of like kind of motivational speaking, like telling your story because it is just really inspiring like to anybody just listening to the journey thus far. You know, there's not this linear path, but if you have a passion and you're creative and you just get in the mix yeah. and you, you just use it. Self belief that you have, 
just to power that to feel it and i understand there is an element of looking at yeah. you know you were using the word lucky a lot and i mean no family you just you just had it you just yeah. had it but i get it it's it's a, it's a fickle industry and as well as the knockbacks and all that there'll be lots of other things that you have to grapple with like you were saying that kind of competition element and people saying things and being authentically yourself i think it's really important as well if you understand who you are then that helps you to, to stay on the path that you want for yourself. So, sometimes I feel a bit sorry for dancers in this time just because of social media. I, I feel like that people want the instantaneous thing, like the instant stuff to happen. That instantaneous stuff happens, but I feel it's short-lived. I feel like you go through hype phases, like people become a hype and then they fizzle out. But if you want to be one of the long stead and actually get out of a room, get out of the dance studio and get on a stage, you know book job after job after job and do it for like 10 years long you you need to have that hard work ethic and that ethic of that humbleness to start from the ground and work your way up i think that's lacking a lot i see it a lot when i teach now it's that you know they want that instantaneous gratification and and again that's what i try and project onto people like you can't like don't get wrapped up in that with the instagram because you can get that but yeah it's just it's a new age and it's adapting and it's just letting Trying, trying to push on that work ethic and, and as I said I like I, I, I support all people working hard to make it in the industry but I obviously look at dancers that I teach in Glasgow and I'm like well that was me like what four, 13 years ago like let me help you out <laughs> let me help you so it, you know it gives me great joy to do that absolute joy amazing Hannah. i'm going to jump you on to what we call the thingamabobs these are just random questions that i like to ask my guests just to get to know them that wee bit extra okay right okay it's that really really easy a 99 or a nugget wafer nugget wafer all the way yes yes <laughs> all the way see you were all over that <laughs> um, let's let's give you a wee bit more of a, a philosophical one here's one what's a moment in your past that you would want to relive oh that's a good one Honestly, best night of my life. Me, me and four of my friends from Australia drove to Vegas and we had the best weekend. I would do that right now. <laughs> I feel like they just need to make a movie of your life because every scenario I'm like, that is just a perfect movie. And then you can direct it. There you go. Oh, there you go. That's it. That's my next project. <laughs> I won't ask you what happened in Vegas because that's obviously what's, what happened in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh my goodness, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> I mean, you've met a lot of well-known people and, you know, it might not be a very well-known person, but who would you like to switch lives with for one day? Wow. Hmm. I wonder what type of stuff I could get done in one day. Maybe a controversial one, but I would like to just give Donald Trump a break for a day and kind of help sort out his mess <laughs> and fix a few things. I'm that sure he's that done. would be very welcomed if you'd decided to do that. I'd probably be like, Trump, just go have a cup of tea, son. Just take a wee break for a minute. Things are out of hand. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably I'd probably try and get rid of someone really influential, step in their shoes and try and do a wee bit better. Love that answer. Now you are the you know, the giver of amazing advice. You're obviously helping so many people in their careers and just, you know, from your own experience. But has there been one piece of advice that someone else has given you that's just been totally invaluable? That oh, that one's a thinker. Yeah, oh, I don't know. You know, my husband always says this to me, and I, he always says, oh, what is it? It's something about, okay, my dad says it in a better way. He always said it to me. He said, fail to prepare, 
prepare to fail. That's always stuck with me. And that's it's a great saying to be prepared so that when opportunity does arise, you can bite it and smash it. And that helps you be successful. So fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And the question that I ask everybody at the end of the podcast, you know, it is called the Braun and the Brave. So I wonder, what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Oh, do you know, I love when people say on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> on yourself, hen. <laughs> I feel that's very apt for this podcast. <laughs> this has been an absolute joy. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. It's always nice to just meet others of a similar age as well, and still, and still dancing, still doing, still doing it. Absolutely, yeah. We're still going strong. We're still going strong. We're and this is amazing. I love it. And your Instagram, the Braun the Brave. I was having a look through it all last night, and it's so amazing. Like everything you're doing, this is such a great platform, and it's so interesting. So congratulations and all of this. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. It was just, it was just a passion project that I wanted to start. You know, you're just getting to meet and work with so many interesting people, and then that leads on to more interesting people. And, just documenting their stories and I think there's just something to be gained from everybody's story everyone's story is you know important and you know can be valuable to someone else and um, yeah it's it's interesting because you know you're saying you're looking into to going elsewhere in your career and possibly you know exploring something else and I'm, I'm at that stage too in terms of like this podcast and hosting and interviewing and it can be a scary place where you think oh god like something new like starting from the ground up but you're not you're not starting because all the experience and everything that you've yeah, you've had, put the work in. You're yeah. going to be able to to put that into the next chapter. So I'm dead excited to see. thank you so much and I'm I'm so excited to watch your journey with this podcast and to watch the growth and to watch all the amazing things you're going to do with it it's absolutely fantastic and you're really good at it so thank you for having me and we finally got the time to do it so thank you it's been a pleasure I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braun and the Brave a podcast about people and their passions Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.